Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Swing and a drive! Swing, there's a shot! High drive! Out of here! This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Bellinger strikes out swinging. Bang! And a miss, he struck him out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Moments. Yastrzemski! Gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. His belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Parker. With Adam Copeland. Welcome on into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland, taking you through some of the great Giants moments for the 2022 season, maybe past and present, and maybe even beyond a little bit as well. We've got a great guest today, the all-time Giants legend, Buster Posey, is going to join us for a conversation. Following his Buster Posey day last week, it was a lot of fun. We'll get into that a little bit later, and then a nice, beefy conversation with the all-time great Giants catcher, Buster Posey. But first, Giants won five games in a row. They went from five consecutive losses to five consecutive wins, including a sweep over the Colorado Rockies. And get this, they've won 10 straight games over the Rockies going back to 2021. Last time they had a 10-game winning streak against one opponent, you got to go back to the great seasons of 1933 and 1934. So the first time this has ever occurred in San Francisco Giants history, pretty cool note for them. And really, it's gotten going because of the health of the roster, right? How many teams can you look at around baseball and say they were missing two starting pitchers from their rotation and five guys in the starting lineup? Well, in the last week or so, Lamont Wade Jr. has come back and he has been fantastic Uh, against the Rockies that completed the sweep on Wednesday had three base hits at the top of the lineup in a walk and really what I think about is is you look at some of the players on the team and you go yeah that's not Juan Soto or that's not Bryce Harper he's not a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs that's not how the Giants do things they're looking at individual positions and they're looking to get production out of that position you also have to look at what the impact is on the rest of the lineup or the rest of the roster when some of the starters are gone when you're missing Tommy LaStella and Lamont Wade Jr., and Evan Longoria, all guys who they plan to get, I don't know, four to 500 at-bats at some point in the lineup this season. When they're not there, you put pressure on the minor league system, you put pressure on some of the bench guys who maybe weren't planning to have five at-bats a game. Also, at one point, they lose Jock Peterson to a, a groin injury. Now he's back in the lineup and ended his uh, his 0 for 22 spell with a nice little 90-foot base hit that hit the bag on Wednesday against the Rockies. So fun game for them on Wednesday. The other guy who's come back, as we just mentioned, Evan Longoria made 
made his 2022 debut on Wednesday. And his is something that I think you look at him over the last few years, he's been one of the better right-handed hitters in baseball OPS wise against left-handed pitching. That's a weapon they needed because they did not have that same left-handed bat or right-handed bat versatility at third base. We saw Jason Vossler get a string of at bats there. We've seen Mauricio Dubon play a little bit of third, but really it's been on Wilmer Flores, who's been a designated hitter and a third baseman to kind of hold that down. So getting Evan Longoria back gives the Giants and Gabe Kapler the luxury of relegating some of those guys to the bench so that they can do that mid-game hockey-style line change where they switch all the righties for lefties. Heck, on Wednesday, you didn't have Darren Ruff or Wilmer Flores in the lineup. And when you got those guys with the ability to come off the bench and they didn't need them, uh, your roster looks all that much deeper. So to see these impact players come back into the lineup, it's not just about what they can do in the lineup. It's the impact they have on the rest of the roster. Can't go any further without mentioning a guy who's been great for the Giants. They've gone through a whole bunch of different transactions and players they've brought up over the last couple of weeks. Guys like Kevin Padlow, who they acquired from the uh, the Mariners. Mike Ford, another guy they got from the Mariners, and we'll get into those transactions. Also saw a guy come up in Luis Gonzalez, an outfield bat who's helped them tremendously, hit a big home run for them to help them win a game on their last road trip from the left side of the plate. So he's a guy who I know has not been spectacular that we've seen at the big league level in left field defense. He's also a guy who's not played a whole lot of left field more center and more right field in his career he'd also come off of a big surgery last year Giants did that that transactional maneuvering where they took him off the roster got him back on he is not I, the best thing I can use to describe Luis Gonzalez is he's a ball player not just because he looks like it in the uniform and some guys look so much better than other guys in the uni Luis Gonzalez pretty good looking dude in the uni he's a ball player because he does things like going from first to third I do think he's going to end up being a pretty solid left fielder people underestimate I think because of how difficult triples alley in center field and right field are to play at Oracle park where in the, in the evening time, and I've actually had a conversation with Austin Slater about this, the wind that, you know, from a, a fan's perspective is that it blows over that wall that sort of lines the right field line sort of swoops down in and then carries out to left into center field. Austin Slater says, when you're playing games or at night, the wind will change directions. It kind of swirls on you. You've got to be checking it hitter to hitter. It's not just one way you play it. So Luis Gonzalez, who, who is now playing left field for a lot of the games, especially day games are a really, really tough Sunfield. Remember seeing Barry Bonds flip his glasses down all the time, catching balls in left. Anyway, Luis Gonzalez is still getting to know left field, made a really nice sliding catch on Wednesday, coming in on a ball. And thank goodness those bullpen mounts are gone up the left field line to avoid any injury. I don't know if he makes that catch if those mounds are there, but he's playing a solid left field. He's hitting over 300 and he's stealing bases. He's been absolutely key in the Giants manufacturing some of that offense uh, with some of those big bats out of the lineup. The one question is because he's got options, what happens with a roster crunch? if at some point they need to get some guys back. So maybe he does go back down to the minors, but we saw this with Lamont Wade Jr. last year. Went back to the minors, and then shortly thereafter, there was an injury. He was right back, and he was back to stay for the remainder of the season. So if you can play, and if you've got options, and you've got versatility, Farhan and Scott are going to find a spot for you, and Gabe Kapler is going to put guys in a position to be successful. Back to the transactions that we saw earlier this week. I mentioned the, the Giants had made a couple of trades with the Mariners. They haven't just made three trades with the Mariners. They've made four trades with the Mariners over the last couple of weeks. So earlier this week, the Giants traded actually one of their promising right-handed minor leaguers out of a high A Eugene 
Oregon, the Eugene Emeralds, Prelander Baroa was traded on Wednesday to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, by the way, Depoto, the uh, the general manager, Jerry Depoto and, and Farhan Zaidi have got to be like two peas in a pod. They've got to have each other on on speed dial with a number of trades they've been making. So earlier this week, they traded Prelander Baroa to the Mariners for a utility infielder, Donovan Walton. I don't know much about Donovan Walton. I haven't seen him play a whole lot. He's been kind of a you wouldn't call him a journeyman, but he's been a guy who's just kind of spelled injuries for the Mariners over the last three to four seasons. Does not have an at bat yet this season. He has been spectacular in the minor leagues, though, to this point. He's played just one game and scored a run, but evidently his calling card is that he's a brilliant defensive player and he's got versatility, as does every player Farhan and Scott acquire. So he's a guy who plays left. He's a guy who plays right. He plays some second base. He plays some third base. And he can play some shortstop. My first question when they made this deal is what's the plan for a guy like Donovan Walton? Obviously, organizational depth is something you're looking at. Also, I think they're setting themselves up to be prepared for what happens with Tommy Lastella, who he's nursing that Achilles. He's still in Sacramento. He's primarily DH down there. I know if they get him back, they'd be okay with him DHing for a little bit. But you don't want to have necessarily one guy on your roster who is only a DH because the Giants have versatility and nice bats all over the lineup where they can say, hey, we want to give Evan Longoria a day off and he's going to DH today. So primarily a DH right now, Tommy Listella, I think until he gets more innings under his belt as a second baseman, maybe a third baseman, uh, maybe we'll see a guy like Donovan Walton. So again, more organizational depth. But the funky part about these trades is Three trades in the last two weeks heading into Thursday. On Thursday, the Giants made another trade with the Mariners, their fourth in the last couple of weeks. So they acquired Mike Ford for cash considerations a few weeks ago when the Giants had their uh, their COVID cases going on in the clubhouse to, to you know pair that with some injuries. They were losing guys left and right. They needed a left-handed bat, so they went out and they got Mike Ford. Well, on Thursday, the Giants agreed after DFAing Mike Ford to make room for uh, Donovan Walton. They sent Mike Ford back to the Seattle Mariners for cash considerations. I, what I'm curious to know is what's the net value on that? Who, who got the big deal in getting the cash going one way or the other from Mike Ford? Anyway, uh, Farhan and the uh, the Seattle Mariners have, have a good thing going right now. So keep an eye on maybe the Mariners, the other teams that, that Farhan seems to like to trade with, the New York Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds. So if you're interested to see which players could be coming to the Giants organization do a deep dive in the minor leagues on uh, on those three organizations and speaking of the Cincinnati Reds here's our good MLB note of the week Christian Yelich left fielder center fielder extraordinaire former MVP for the uh, the Milwaukee Brewers hit for the cycle on Wednesday afternoon which is incredible anyway it's always cool when a guy hits for the cycle one of the cool achievements in baseball even crazier it's his third of his career even crazier than that all three cycles he's hit have come against the Cincinnati Reds, who become the first team in MLB history to allow three cycles to one player. Got me thinking about uh, about giant cycles. First one I can remember uh, as a fan, I think I got to go back to Randy Wynn would have been one of the first ones I can think of when Randy Wynn came over to trade in 2006 for, I think he got traded for Jesse Foppert and your Vittori Alba. Anyway, last giant to hit for the cycle is Pablo Sandoval, who accomplished just about anything you could want a guy to accomplish. He hit it. Uh, he hit for the cycle on September 15th, 2011 in Colorado. But the coolest part about that, it was the first cycle since Mother's Day, 2007. Fred Lewis did it with the pink bat on Mother's Day. Also, against the Colorado Rockies. So the Giants are to the Rockies what Christian Yelich is to the Cincinnati Reds. Kind of fun. Swing and a high drive. Deep right center. Going back onto the warning track and reaching for it and missing it is Gonzalez. Pablo to second. Heading for third. Pablo dives. A triple. A triple after earlier hitting a single, a double, and a homer. Pablo Sandoval has hit for the cycle 
at Coors Field. Uh, nice little segue there into our uh, conversation with Buster Posey, uh, senior producer for the Giants. Kelsey's with us. Uh, she was out there at Buster Posey Day. Uh, Kelsey, how, how great was it to, to get all the legends out there, to get Buster seeing the, the old videos of himself? You get to hear speeches from Bruce Bochy and Benji Molina. Uh, fr- from your perspective as a producer with the Giants on the field for that ceremony, uh, what, what was your perceptive uh, thoughts on, on Buster Posey Day and how well they put this thing together? Yeah, the Giants really do know how to throw a ceremony and really do know how to treat the forever Giants very well. And this was a big one. We made jokes that this was maybe our longest ceremony we've ever done. And um, there even were some things at the end we had to cut a little bit short because of timing and everything that was going on. But you just, there are so many people who wanted to just show up and be there for Buster and to support him. Just an overwhelming amount of guys traveled in from all over, no question. They hosted a really big um, event for Buster the night before over at Hotel Via with some of the alumni and to let them have like a more intimate time and all of Buster's family and everything. But then the ceremony, you could just feel everyone just glued to him and just glued to him and his family. And he was really doing a good job soaking it all in and seeing the the mixture of all of his former teammates, but also all the current guys who are on the edge of the dugout, looking out and watching and taking it in. And I was standing near Crawford who made sure I kind of noticed he got a really close in the front spot and was smiling and was watching. It was kind of making jokes with some of us of like, Oh, Jeremy Affelt's coming up. Uh, this game isn't starting on time. You better tell Webby, like he's not starting on time, but props to Affelt. He magically did not take all that much time with his speech. He had his note cards blow off his podium though. So maybe that could have played a factor into it. Um, but no, and, and to hear, of course, the fan perspective, really enjoying it. We've now all heard Buster's thoughts. I think he appreciated it. I know it was a big effort from Kristen that not just the older twins, but the younger twins get to enjoy that. I know from a video production team, we're helping package up a little video for the family to make sure they have that keepsake since the the younger girls weren't there. Um, An interesting note too, is that after the ceremony, Jock Peterson came up to Buster and shook his hand and said, congratulations. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, And it's just nice and interesting to see that interaction as a player that Buster didn't play with, but somebody he's played against and has been in the game and to just acknowledge like all these guys, maybe across the league, they've seen these types of ceremonies, but nothing so impassioned and powerful from all these different massive figures as what was done for Buster. And there could have been a a laundry list 10 times as long of people who would have wanted to come up and speak. That was even a, a hard decision to make, but all in all, I think the day went well, and anyone who watched it or listened to it had a good memory. Boy, great insight and great context from uh, from what was going on on the field. And I think about Jock Peterson doing that. You know, Jock has, has been vocal about his Giants fandom from growing up in, in Palo Alto, going to Palo Alto High School. And we talked about uh, going to the first World Series parade. So even from the, the big baseball guys, and, and uh, we'll talk to Buster Posey about this, you still get those moments sometimes where you're on the field. It's like, this guy's a baseball card. I know I've played against him for, for a bunch of years in my career, but still pretty cool for Jock to be on the field rooting for a guy or applauding a guy who he grew up a fan of just down here on the peninsula completely and and buster will talk about too what it was like for him when he was playing against guys that he watched growing up and just seeing how the sport interconnects and the respect that is still there 
no matter, you know, rivalries or anything that plays in between and just the overwhelming respect. Buster is one of the most likable, feels like athletes on the face of the earth where no one has a bad word to say about him ever has ever will. And that everyone is able, even though it was a long ceremony, the attention was on Buster and you, you know, you have Joey Bart on the dugout who's there and watching and you have all the coaches that he played for who were there and watching and all the front office that has worked with him for years and years. And you have his cancer foundation. It's like the ripple effect that Buster Posey has on people in this community and in the baseball audience nationwide is huge. And it was just a good reminder of that. I know Ken Rosenthal was interviewing him and, you know, it was a nationally broadcasted game. So just, I feel really close to it sometimes working and being behind the scenes. And, you know, there's meeting after meeting of how to get those ceremonies right and talking through different ideas and iterations, but to take a step back and to see the real impact they end up having is really cool. Yeah. He's on a short list of the most impactful Bay area sports athletes we've ever seen, especially, you know, specific to an organization, right. For guys who have played their whole career in one place, it just doesn't happen that much anymore, but he's up there with the likes of Joe Montana and and Jerry Rice and Steph Curry. He is to the giants. What all those guys are. I'll, I'll throw Patty Marlowe in since he retired this week from the Sharks as well. We'll sprinkle him in. For but Buster's on the on the short list of the all-time greats associated with one organization. So great way to jump off into our conversation. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. With Buster Posey. Buster, it's great to have you, man. I appreciate you making time. How are you today? Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, kind of cool, man. Buster Posey Day last week. As a player, you experienced so many of these ceremonies. I, I want to think back and think about, you know, Bruce Bochy's retirement after Matt Cain called it a career. I think they did a big ceremony. Hunter Pence, big ceremonies. Barry Bonds, Jersey retirement. What was it like being on the other side of it and having a chance to talk to fans? Yeah, as you mentioned, um, have have been a part of uh, quite a few of those uh, over the course of my career. And uh, it's a little bit more relaxing to be on the other side of it and get to celebrate other people <laughs> than to, uh, to be the one that's the center of attention. But uh, man, just, just humbled and honored that the, the giants uh, took that time, uh, took that day, I'm sorry, um, to recognize uh, not, not only what, you know, my career was, but what we accomplished together. Um, and, I, and I talked about that on the field is, is this was always about uh, working together for a common goal. And I think that's why one of the main reasons fans can get behind a team so much is so relatable and, and something that we all uh, strive for is to be able to work together as a group and, uh, you know, accomplish great things. 
the relatable thing is, uh, I think, rings absolutely true, especially with baseball. It's such a companion sport where you feel like these guys are a part of your life every day for six months and maybe even more than that from spring training all the way through the postseason. It, it kind of felt to me like Saturday also was an opportunity for fans to get a chance to say goodbye to you, which I thought was a cool element to that. Yeah, I think you're I think you're 100 percent correct. Um I, I kind of snuck out of there last year without a lot of the uh, the 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 send off. So it was it was nice. Uh, to your point, it, I feel like it went both ways, and uh, you know, grateful to the fans for uh, for all the well wishes and 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 all the memories that they, they created for for me and my family as well. I always wonder how much the honoree knows what's going into the ceremony. I imagine like with, with players coming back, some of it wasn't a secret. I know Jeremy Affelt was, uh, was vocal about uh, coming back before the ceremony. What was the biggest surprise for you on that day? Um, yeah, they kept, they kept pretty much everything from me. I would say uh, the biggest surprise was probably Benji being there and then asking for me to sign his jersey. <laughs> I, want, I have one thing. I want to have a buster hug. Come on, everybody got to bust their heart. And I didn't. I got it. Before I go, I got a special request for Buster. If I can find my pen. Here it is. Can you please sign my jersey? And then them throwing, you know, on the, like, 100,000 square foot jumbotron uh my one of my uh, commercials that I did back in the day with the Giants so um yeah they were good they they got some jabs in there on me uh throughout the day as well which I, I'm always appreciative because I'll give jabs uh myself that's uh, pretty good. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the Benji Molina part of it because uh, I've been a Giants fan for a long time. I've always had an affinity for catchers. Love Benito Santiago. Love Brent Maine. Love following your career and Benji Molina's career. He told a story about uh, in 2010 that he told you when, when you came up to take care of his pitchers. And there were some really good ones at that time. Do you remember that conversation and, and what it was that he told you? <clears throat> I do remember that conversation. I don't remember exact details. Um but I thought that was a perfect send off because uh, as a catcher, you know, your responsibility is to kind of shepherd the staff and uh, you know, Benji, I know, I know did that. And I took a lot of pride in that in my career as well. Um, because I think the unique thing about the, the catching position is, is not only are you, is it physically demanding? Um, but there's a, there's a, an aspect of like sports psychology or just human psychology in general that goes into every single day and it can be a matter of just how you carry yourself walking into the door. It can be how you talk to somebody after a good outing, after a bad outing, in the middle of the game, through text messages. And that's really like the, the intricacies that I came to, to love of the position, you know, throughout my career. It's such an international game, the game of baseball. Was that something you had to develop, uh, talking to pitchers who were maybe from other countries or didn't speak the same language as you to get on the same page? I've always wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I wish I could say that I, I speak Spanish fluently, but I don't, but I know enough that you can, that I can uh, probably pick on up on some words and, and obviously body language is universal, right? Like you can read body language and, and uh, always have people that can interpret as well. Um, but yeah, I think that was a learning curve coming from, you know, playing baseball, obviously for me in the States and then FSU in Florida at Florida state um, to go to, pro ball where to your point there's uh, a lot of spanish speakers uh some some japanese mixed in as well um 
so you do have to kind of navigate those waters a little bit differently than you would with just, you know, an, an English speaking person that that's their, their native language. When it comes to like dynasties, there's always constants uh, to rosters, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's superstar players. I I'm interested in the clubhouse dynamics through the three World Series teams, because you were obviously one of the constants and you were a rookie in 2010. What were some of the similarities and differences in the clubhouse dynamics from the three different championship years? Uh, they were pretty different. Um, I think there was like kind of a transition. It was kind of like 10 was uh, a lot of characters. Um, and then as we got to 14, it was a little bit more like, uh, a, a working man's team, I guess. Uh, 10 was just, uh, obviously, you know, with the big personalities and Brian Wilson and Tim Lincecum and Juan Uribe and, um, you know, Aubrey Huff and Pat Burrell, uh, <laughs> coming in as a 23 year old rookie uh I did my best just to for the most part uh just kind of watch and observe but uh felt like when I was on the field I was able to still lead um and I think those guys wanted it too right I mean I think even if you're 10 years younger than somebody um, when you're trying to going back to accomplish a certain goal um no matter your age if you're on the field in a certain position, you have to be able to, uh, you know, kind of take on a, a leadership role. And as my career evolved, I became, you know, more of a, a vocal leader in, in the clubhouse than I was in 2010. Um, and I think that's just a natural progression. But 12, I think it was kind of a mix of the two teams. Um, still had some characters, but uh, maybe not quite as much. And then uh, 14 was, uh, I mean, if you got Pablo on the team, you've, you've always got a, a lot of personality. <laughs> so we, we weren't lacking personality still. Uh, in terms of, of that leadership role, do you think that's something you've had throughout your life or is that something you had to develop once you came up to the big leagues? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think it's something that I've had, but I've tried to get better at and tried to uh, understand, I think the, I think Boach taught me a lot about this is like, I think, let's see, how can I phrase this? When it comes to, to leading, especially in the clubhouse, you have so many different personalities that you have to try your best to get the most out of each personality and understand, right? I mean, it's not a one size fits all. And he was really good about that. Kapler's really good about that as well, is being able to relate to people uh, get back, you know, come and get back to what you said, you know, an international game coming from different backgrounds. Um, and, and a lot of that, I think, is like can be done very simply, like sit down with somebody and have lunch with them. Right. Sit down with somebody that you don't normally have lunch with and have a conversation yeah. and just ask questions. You know, I think that's that's the the, the greatest way to, to earn somebody's trust is to sit down and, and show that you care about them and show that you care what's going on, not only in your, their professional world, but um, you know, in, in their world outside of baseball as well. It seems to me like Gabe Kapler has done that as good, if not better than anybody in sports since he took over uh, the job as manager of the giants. What was that transition like for you? So late in your career to, to jump from an old school catcher manager and Bruce Bochy to a new age manager like Gabe Kapler. Well, it was different, no doubt, but but both great in their own ways. Um, you know, Boach was definitely more kind of old school by the book, but there's a lot of similarities as well, right? Like when you when you have a good leader, I think a, a lot of the same qualities exist um, at the core, no matter what. Um, and Cap, 
Cap definitely had a, a different way of going about things. And I think it's been, it's been a good fit um, because I think he has been able to relate to the younger generation really well. Um, and uh, man, it's, it's, they're, they're both just great. I'm, I'm very lucky that I got to, to play underneath both of those guys and, and Cap looks like, you know, he's going to be able to do it as long as he wants to do it. Yeah, he's pushing all the right buttons uh, three seasons in now. We're into his third season as Giants manager. One of the other cool revelations from Kapler this weekend uh, during Buster Posey Day was uh, the the conversation he had with you during his interview process and said he was trying to impress you. Did you know that when he was talking to you, that he was trying to get on your good side? And what do you remember about uh, your interview with Gabe Kapler? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, no, I was just, I mean, I was, I was honored that, you know, Farhan or, or ownership, uh, wanted me to be involved in that process because it was important to me. I mean, the, the Giants organization will be important to me uh, for the rest of my life. Um, so I, I figured more than likely, you're hopeful anyways, that the next guy that comes in is probably going to last longer than my career was going to last. Um, so obviously wanted to, to feel like, uh, you know, I, I went into that knowing like, I'm not the final say so here. There's powers that are that are going to make the final decision, but still was was grateful um, that I got a chance to talk to a few guys. And and Kapler was uh, we had a great conversation. I mean, and, and a lot of it was not even uh, not even baseball related. Um, I felt like uh, we were able to to speak honestly with each other and and kind of answered some some questions that uh, might have been lingering from some time the time he had in Philly. And uh, no, he was great. He's been really, really uh, uh, easy to communicate with and always open. And I think that's that holds true, I think, for anybody that you'll come across in the Giants organization from top to bottom right now. I've, I haven't heard one person uh, say otherwise that he his communication has just been top notch. Well, part of what goes into to making those days so special is the Giants may be as good as any team in, in all of professional sports. Keep their legends and their their veterans and their guys who were tied to the organization close to the organization. I grew up in the Bay Area. I got to see guys like Willie Mays and McCovey and Marichal and Cepeda at the ballpark all the time. You joined sort of that illustrious group. Can you remember the first time you met Willie Mays and what it was that he said to you or told you about the organization? No, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think that's one of the most – unique things, the best things that the Giants do is to keep their players uh, close after they, uh, after they're retired and long retired. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, <laughs> you know, for me growing up, Willie Mays, is kind of like synonymous with like Babe Ruth, right? It's like a, it's, it's, you hear the name so much that you don't even really expect to put a person with that name, if that makes any sense. Right. So it's like, when you see the guy, you're like, wait, this person actually does exist. Right. It's like a <laughs> mythical, mythical uh, legend. Um, but yeah, I mean, Willie would come in. Uh, I mean, so with McCovey and Cepeda and Gaylord Perry and, you know, Will Clark's around the ton um, Barry's around uh, a good amount and uh, it's special, man. I mean, it just gives you more of a, uh, uh, a connection as a as a player and, and a tie to to your workplace right like that they they take pride in uh not only what they're doing now but they take pride in what's happened in the past um and they're still able to to put the focus on you know the day and the future um which obviously has to be at the forefront of everything because you can't rest on anything that you've accomplished in the past but 
it seems like for you, you too have said that uh, that's meaningful for you to, to see those guys around still. And uh, it certainly is for us as players um, to be able to get to spend some time. And, and really you're taking a, a, a peek back into history um, when you get to talk to guys that played the game 50, 60, in Willie's case, 70 years ago. Uh, it's pretty dang special. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It really is incredible how you can, you can sort of connect those dots between generations in the game of baseball. Uh, nobody, I think, would ever dispute uh, that you were not a pro on the field, basically from the minute you came up. But I always wonder, because you were so into the game and you were so about your job during the game, did you ever have inside of you one of those, oh, my God, this is the big leagues moment? Like, I think about you growing up in Georgia in that first playoff series, you guys take on Bobby Cox in his final year. Did you ever have one of those moments? Like, this is pretty sweet, man. I'm going up against some of the guys I grew up watching. Oh, I had, yeah, I had plenty of those moments. Uh, I mean, I can still remember like yesterday, my first at bat in 2009 and just my, my legs shaking at the plate. And it's, it's something I probably will never forget. You mentioned Bobby Cox. I mean, I, there's no telling the hundreds or thousands of games that I watched the Braves as a kid. And uh, one of the, the most, uh, I guess, surreal moments was when we, you mentioned we did knock them out of the playoffs in 2010 and we're celebrating and, um, I look across the field, the fans are cheering and I look out and I see Bobby Cox waving goodbye to the crowd. And it was, I was like, wait a second. I was just a part of a team that, you know, <laughs> knocked out, uh, my childhood, uh, manager that I watched for so much. And, um, yeah, I think, I think you have, you definitely have those moments, uh, earlier in your career when you you're facing guys that you grew up watching on TV. Um, and, uh, it's it's uh it's it's pretty weird to be honest with you because as as a as a kid I spent so many hours watching those guys and then to for Derek Jeter to step in the box or Chipper Jones to step in the box or whoever it may be um especially you don't you don't take it for granted that's for sure yeah it's pretty cool man uh to, to get to see that who, who was your guy on the, the Braves back then I think about the catcher it was like Javi Lopez was yeah there. Javi Lopez so I mean I wasn't a catcher growing up I didn't start catching until college right. um so I really like the pitchers, uh, you know, the Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, uh, Steve Avery was a name. I mean, I, I loved Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. Uh, it's you could there's so many guys on that team you could pick from. Marcus Giles, Raphael for call. A bunch of those guys were a lot of fun yep. to watch. Yep. One teams. Uh, there's been a lot of changes to the game uh, over the last couple of years. Does it feel to you like it's been because you played sort of over this this modern change of baseball? Does it feel to you like it happened gradually or like it's been kind of a quick change? Because I think from a fan's perspective, it's all happened kind of quickly in the last three, four years. Yeah, I mean, even from my perspective, I, it feels fast to me. Um, you could kind of see it coming. 
Um, I can remember, uh, gosh, it's probably five, six years ago now, we were playing in Houston. And it was really the first time that I saw like a really drastic shift for me when I was hitting. Like you would see him on the lefty some, but I looked up and the whole right side of the field was open. And uh, so that was probably five, six years ago. Um, which is commonplace now, right? You, you've got middle infielder standing right behind the bag um, and nobody really thinks of it now. Um, but, but I would say it's happened fast. I mean, it's pretty, I feel, I don't, I don't think lucky is the right word, but it's pretty uh, unique that I got to experience the first half of my career one way and the second half um, different because it's be interesting to go back and look at the history of baseball and see when there was that drastic of a shift in the way the game was played and if it happened, you know, from a rule change or, uh, I mean, this is unprecedented, right? Because it's, it's, you're using data, you're using analytics, and that's not been something that's used in the past. Um, so, and I do think the pendulum is going to swing back to, to more of what it was 10 years ago. Um, it'll just, just take a little bit of time. And I think you're starting to see it already, right? Like you see, um, you see, guys pitchers is, is what I think of the most but for a while last couple of years is throw as hard as you can top of the zone throw a breaking ball off of it we are starting to see sinker ballers come back into play more I mean you got a couple on our team now with uh with Webb and Cobb who uh hitters hitters are going to adjust they're going to they're going to say okay if you're going to throw at the top of the zone I'm going to I'm going to you know groove my swing for that particular pitch now now you're opened up uh you're susceptible to that sinker so it's all, it's all zigging and zagging. So it'll, it'll all, you know, it, it, you're still playing the same game. It seems like it's already sort of swung back a little bit the other way. Like everybody has so much information. They were saying, you know, bunting is wrong. Stealing bases is maybe not the, the right way to go about it. And now because nobody was doing it, teams are kind of going back to it. We've seen the giants even do that a little bit this year. It's already sort of swung back. Would you agree with that? With the sort of that assessment of baseball in 2022? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm seeing the same thing. And, It'll be interesting to see what happens with the shift. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely one that would like to see the shift go away just because I think you're going to see a more complete skill set of all the players, you know, from a hitting standpoint and from a fielding standpoint. Like I've mentioned it before, but if I'm a baseball fan, I want to see Brandon Crawford utilize his range. You know, don't put him in the exact spot that it says 80% of the balls are going to be it. You know, put him where it's the traditional position was supposed to be and let me see him go make an outstanding play. It's a great transition into something I want to ask you kind of specifically about Brandon Crawford. And that's the, the biggest change I think to the catching position this year has been the pitch comp. I was always of the belief that middle infielders had the signs from the catcher or knew somewhat what they were so that they could set themselves up for pre-pitch positioning. And Crawford does that almost as good as anybody we've ever seen in San Francisco. Have you talked to him about that? Or is that an element of the game that's now gone because of the pitch comp? I know they've discussed putting a, a speaker in, in another player's hat, but I don't know if it's there yet. Is that something you guys have talked about at all? That's a great question. One I've thought about probably 10 times and keep forgetting to ask Craw because I've had the same thought. Um, because they do. You're, you're right. I mean, they, they see the fingers like with, with a runner on second, uh, whatever sequence I'm using, they're in tune with that sequence um, <clears throat> because it could be a half a step that makes a difference. Um, so I am curious now to know um, if they know what's coming. But I would say using the pitch comp and them not knowing what's coming is more valuable on, as a whole than your signs being picked from a runner at second and then them relaying what pitch is coming. That's, that's no good. Uh, do you think you would have used it? Would you have enjoyed that? Oh, I asked for it 
five, oh, six years you? ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Did they have the technology then, or is it just something that's new that's come to the game now? No, I think they've been working on it a, a couple of years. Um, and I think, I think it was uh, kind of a trial run in the, in the minors last year. Yeah, good to know. I, I didn't know that uh, that was something that was in the works for this long, just kind of jumped on us quickly this year. Uh, Farhan told a, a funny story earlier this spring about the first time, what he perceives as the first time you saw Tyro Estrada play, talking about some of the current Giants, and that you said, hey, that might be a might be a good talent to have on this roster. I don't know specifically what you said. Uh, do you remember that conversation with Farhan, and how often did you share your feelings about talent around the league with members of the front office? Yeah, I think I was just watching a game. I think I was just – I always watch games uh, like my downtime uh, on the road. Um, and I think I just saw it and and liked it. And just uh, honestly, like I just sent Farhan a text and just was wondering what he thought of Tyro, if he'd looked at him before. Farhan likes to blow things out of proportion more than they are <laughs> on, on stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I mean, how much would, would we talk about that? I think if I saw somebody that I liked, that might would ask for on like what his thoughts were if there, you know a possibility of of us even acquiring somebody like that um but man tyro has been really fun to watch he's uh i just was watching the game yesterday and was just thinking like he's one of my favorite players to watch right now just because of what he can do with the glove he's so explosive in the field and at the plate um the backhanded glove flip he made was that yesterday or two days ago i, I can't two remember days ago i think it was on on yeah i think it was two games ago uh but that's such a difficult play <laughs> i mean to be able to have the control lead the lead crawford you know like he did um he's just really talented i mean ultimately he's just a very very talented player um and and sure looks poised to, to have a nice career He's got some pop too. He hit that uh, that changeup home run off of Devin Williams last year. That was a big one. That was a lot of fun. So he, he can does. Run into he's uh, he's he's strong. He's a really really strong guy. Uh, thinking back to last year, uh, you guys finally played the Dodgers in a playoff series. I think that was the only, maybe the only notch on your belt or the only thing missing from your Giants resume was a, a playoff series against the Dodgers. Really fun uh, to get to watch the end of that season and, and how that series played out. Your your game one home run, I think, is a moment nobody's going to forget. I was sitting up the the right field line, got a great angle of that. I think everybody knows would have been a splash hit if not hitting, <laughs> hitting the water cannon. He throws. Buster hits a fly ball. Deep to right field, way back there, adios, Pelota! What a 3-0 count, Buster Posey sends one to the opposite field, and he cleared the arcade and hit the top of one of those water cannons out there. Two to nothing, Giants. Is that something you guys as players had ever talked about? Uh, could a right-handed hitter hit one into the cove, and if so, who was the guy to do it? Yeah, we, we definitely talk about it. Um, we would always land on Stanton being the guy to do it if anybody did it. I mean, those of us who've played against him for a while and even, uh, you know, uh, ju not Junior Olympics, the uh, WBC. It? Yeah, thank you. The WBC and got to watch him take batting practice. I mean, the guy can just flick the ball and uh, looks like he's hitting, looks like a power hitting lefty going the other way. Um, but yeah, it, that was... I mean, I couldn't have, obviously the only way that ends better is if we win that series. Um, but, but likewise, I mean, that's a moment I'll never forget and uh, was really, really cool to even get to play the Dodgers in the, in the postseason. And uh, yeah, man, just feel fortunate that I, that I got to be a part of that.
It was really cool, man. Uh, you, you've got some of the all-time greats. Uh, you understand the makeup and what it takes to be great. Lo- Logan Webb was fantastic last season. Some guys have stuff and, and don't have the makeup or vice versa. When it comes to makeup, what most impresses you about what Logan Webb has done and, and what his future holds? I think the most impressive thing is that he seems to rise to the occasion. Um, you mentioned makeup, and some guys some guys uh, can go out and perform uh, when there's not as much on the line and tend to have a little bit of trouble when there is more on the line. And he seemed to just be very centered um, when we, we asked him to pitch in those big games. You know, he pitched in, gosh, seems like the last five starts were just huge games. And for a guy that really was coming into his own, you don't really know how he's going to respond. And uh, the, the ones that are really good have, a, have the ability to just like narrow that focus in those moments. And I think he's one of them. And uh, I'm excited to watch him continue to grow and, and learn. And um, I think he wants to, I think he wants to, to lead a staff as well. And uh that's that's such a plus because I've been a part of teams where your best pitcher on the team uh, wasn't necessarily a leader, a leader, and that's no fault of theirs, right? That's just that's just the way some personalities are. But uh, I think Webby uh, wants to do that. He wants to set the example. He wants to set it not only with what he's doing on the mound, but his work in between starts. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for him, and uh, we should all be uh, pretty pumped to watch what he does. Yeah, he's fiery. It looks like he's got that leadership on the mound. Uh, for, for a young pitcher, not specific to Logan Webb, I've just always wondered, when the guy comes into the game, trusting the catcher versus trusting your stuff. Like, for example, let's say you're in the bullpen and you know your slider's not really working, and he comes into the game and you put down for the slider because this guy can't hit it, or you know, you know that, uh, that this is a pitch that, that fits this situation. What's the balance there in trusting the catcher versus trusting your stuff? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's uh, it's up to the catcher and the pitcher both um to make that decision based on the day you know um and it was interesting for me because the the beginning of my career there was always a battle of and it's it's normal with every young catcher is that do the do the pitchers trust you do they trust what you're putting down or are they kind of shaken away from you because you are a young catcher and they don't really have a good reason why they're shaken away from you so you kind of have to stand your ground as a young catcher sometimes and say in between, he's like, hey, talk me through this. Why Why did you shake away? And then you have to be able to say, well, this is what I was thinking, and this is why. So I tried to, every pitch I called, I tried to have, if, if I was going to be questioned by a pitching coach or a pitcher, I wanted to have a reason for why I called the pitch. Um, you know, kind of fast forward to later in my career, I, I almost had to battle the opposite to where I'd had enough credit built up through successes where when a young pitcher came up, they weren't thinking, they just wanted me to, to be the one that made the decision. And so I, I made an effort to tell those guys like, look, I want you to be convicted in the pitches that you're throwing. Ultimately conviction to me is more important than throwing the quote unquote right pitch. Um, so it's something that, you know, Webby and I talked about is like, look, I'm, I'm putting down the best suggestion that I think is out there. And if you don't like it, I want you to shake away from it. But if you shake to something I really don't like, then we're going to have a conversation. So it's just kind of building that that relationship through that way. A little bit of trial and error, um, but experience definitely helps.
it's in depth, man. People who don't uh, who don't follow the game or the game inside the game. That's all the stuff that goes on inside of it. It's, uh, it's fun to talk about that stuff. I love the strategy talk. All right, before we let you go, uh, a fun memory test thing. One of my favorite and funny trends from the Giants is they've had a different opening day left fielder every year since 2008. That includes Buster. Every opening day you were with the team. How many of the opening day left fielders can you name from 2011 to 2021? Oh gosh, 2011. Was that Burl in 2011? Got it, Pat Burl in 11. 12. Wasn't wasn't Huff in 12. It, it was Huff. Remember they did the uh, you guys in Dodger Stadium had the big the outline of him uh, when he when he right. go for a ball opening weekend. Oh gosh, Pagan was one of those years, I know. Pagan in 16, you got that one. Uh I want to say Connor Joe, but I don't think it was Connor Joe. I think it was. Uh... Well, you were right. It was Connor Joe. Were you thinking Mike Reed was the other one? Yeah. Mike Reed was in right. Connor Joe in left. Yep. So it was Connor Joe. Let's see who was out there this year. Was it Jock or Slater? I think it was Jock ask, out there. You yeah. asked my, my years. Uh, hmm. Norie Aoki. Was he one no, of them? That's, that's what nobody ever gets. 2015 Norie Aoki. Uh, 13 14 17 18 and uh you at uh, 20 or 21 whichever one there you want to go uh let's see 13 14 17 and 18 i mean I, obviously as soon as you tell me i'm gonna know but i'm i'm drawing a blank here go ahead and okay. Thir- 13 uh andres torres okay 14 mike morse okay 17, this is one I always forget. Jarrett Parker was out in the left in uh, uh, 2017. Yeah. Okay. 2018, Hunter Pence was out in the left. 2020, mm-hmm. Alex Dickerson. And then uh, 2021, Austin Slater was out in the left. So uh, one of the uh, one of the funny trends across baseball, I think. And this year was Jock, right? Is that what we right. said? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it'll be interesting to see who's out there next year. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they also, by the way, in 9 and 10 had two different ones, too. I think it was Fred Lewis and, uh, and uh, Dave Roberts, the skipper of the Dodgers, was out there for one of those uh, out in oh, there you go. 9 and 10. So uh, before we let you go last one here you'd mentioned you want to stay tied to the game of baseball or more specifically even to the giants we discussed uh what a great job they do keeping their legends close uh is there a position that intrigues you i know you you got a lot going on now that you've stepped away from the game at least as a player coaching managing front office scouting is there anything out there that that sort of pings in your head as something that would be fun to do yeah um i i I think it, for me right now, it, it kind of boils down to time commitment. I'm just loving being able to to coach my 10-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter in baseball and softball um, and just doing some more stuff this time of year that typically I wouldn't. As, as we all know, um, you know, coaching at a professional level is just such a commitment, and, and especially the way these guys do it now, it's, it's even more of a time commitment. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've been, been speaking with – uh, you know, Larry Bear and, and the ownership group and, and kind of working through some different options. And I think we'll, we'll eventually uh, find something that, that works out great for, for both sides. Well, man, I, you've been extremely generous with your time. We loved watching you as a player, and I think everybody's really excited to see you around the ballpark and whenever uh, we do more of these ceremonies to get you back out there, man. So thanks so much, Buster, and, and congratulations on, on such a great career, man. Adam, thank you. Appreciate it. Good talking to you. Oh, what a treat that was. Not just the conversation with Buster, but Buster Posey Day, where we all got an opportunity to say goodbye to one of our all-time favorite 
San Francisco Giants. Want to say thanks again to Buster Posey. Thank you to our senior producer, Kelsey, for joining us today. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe to us wherever it is you get the Inside Giant Moments podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode. We'll be back every week with some of the great stories across baseball and specifically with your San Francisco Giants. This has been the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm Adam Copeland. We'll talk to you next week.